like the last situation I was in, like we talked for like two days before he knew I was a therapist and he was dogging therapists, y'all, dogging them bad. I hate <laughs> therapists. They all out for money. And I'm like, dang, what, what happened? You know, I'm all trying to figure it out. And then, you know, day two came. I was like, yeah, I'm a therapist, by the way. He's like, oh, I fucked up then. I'm like, <laughs> Hey, you. Welcome to the Surrender to Thrive podcast, a podcast that encourages Black healers to put themselves first. I'm Melanie, founder of Serena to Thrive and clinical mental health therapist. And I'm Victoria, licensed professional counselor and founder of Trust Between Us, a safe place to store your thoughts. Every week, we'll be sitting down with folks from our community to have intimate conversations and take a holistic and honest dive into what it means to be well. All right, y'all, enough of the professional intros because we're getting all in our feelings today. <laughs> So get comfy and join us for this week's episode. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Surrender to Thrive podcast. We're your host, Mel and Vic. And today we have some special guests. Um, We want to jump right into this episode because a lot I wanted to touch upon. So I want to introduce um, Tiffany, Kazaya, and... Nicole, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Tiffany Kazaya and Nicole of Healing Spaces here in St. Louis. Hey, everybody. (laughs) So I want to take a moment um, to give you all some time to introduce yourselves, however you want to introduce yourselves. Um, And anyone can just jump right on in so everyone gets to know who they're listening to or watching. Okay, I'll get started. I'm Kaziah <laughs> Jackson. I'm a clinical, psych- clinical psychologist and I'm the owner of Healing Spaces Psychological Services. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. My name is Nicole Murdoch. I am an LPC and am a staff therapist here at Healing Spaces. And my name is Tiffany Parbo. I'm also an LPC and a staff therapist here at Healing, Space- Healing Spaces. Thank you. <laughs> No problem. Thank you all for joining us. So every time we have a guest on, actually, this is the most we've had as far as guests. Victoria just pointed that out before we start. I was like, oh, yeah, we usually have like usually four of us, but now it's it's five now. So uh, we're reaching capacity. (laughs) But no, I I love when it's um, a group. I love group therapy. I'll get into that maybe later. But, um, you know, just not through group therapy, but I just love groups in general. Um, So. It's a question that we ask everyone that comes to the podcast. And, um, how has surrendering play a role in your journey? That's deep. Right. <laughs> that's deep. Okay. Um, I think for me, I am typically a very anxious type A person. Um, so over the years, I've really had to learn to surrender to uh, hire, like, surrender to God, surrender to, uh, you know, my family, surrender to my partner and trust him, um, and to, uh, you know, be in a space where I don't have to do it all, and I can kind of release um, expectations or release responsibility to those that are in my circle and that support me. Mm -hmm. 
So I think it's definitely been something I've been working on more so in the last couple of years for sure. But just, you know, stepping aside for myself and letting others take care of me. Mm, I'm going to hear more about that if you're open. Ooh, to okay. Of course about you that. do. Of course you do. <laughs> right. Thank you. I think I kind of have the same feeling of the word surrender regarding therapy um, and being a therapist. This role, people expect for you to be able to handle everything, every emotion, like we're not human anymore. We're supposed to kind of be able to work through our own problems. And it's not always like that. So sometimes just knowing that I need another therapist or just someone else to listen, to kind of be there, like, like, as I was saying, you know, have being able to surrender that, that hold that you have on everything and kind of letting somebody else help you. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for sure, definitely. And I think to piggyback off of that, like in Melanie, you mentioned this a bit before, but Mm -hmm having that genuine um, approach with your clients. Like I think about that with surrendering because when I went through school, of course you learn like all these different therapeutic approaches and kind of not necessarily step A, step B, step C, but like how to work with a client. And it's like, it's so different when you get into the field and actually start working with all of these different clients who present in a number of different ways. And it's like, there's a piece of surrendering the book knowledge um, in trading that in for the the genuine experience that you do have with a client once you're able to let some of that go, which was hard for me initially because it felt like this is what I learned. This is what I need to do. I need mm-hmm. to stay by the book. I need to do it a certain way. But that's mm-hmm. not how you are effective with clients at all. So yeah. that's what that's that's what comes to me when you mention surrendering. Yeah, definitely for sure. I struggled with that in grad school as well as like, being like the cookie cutter therapist, like mm-hmm. very kind of <laughs> stiff and like, like just, I just felt really uncomfortable and feel like me. Like I wanted mm-hmm. to be just like, just chill with my clients. Um, so I just, I just took that mask off and just like, you know, set that to the side. Um, but thank you all for sharing that because it is important, especially the, the type of clients we serve, especially in the black and brown communities. Like you can't show up as that because they're going to sense that right away. Um, well, at least in my experience, they sense mm-hmm. that right away. Um, the inauthenticness of um, when it comes to like therapy and our views of therapy, you know, even growing up, which is one of the things I want to get into. But before that, I do want to like go backwards because we know who you are, you know, somewhere who you are now um, and what you do now, obviously at Healing Spaces. But I want to get to know you all even before becoming therapists. Mm-hmm. Like, who were you before stepping in this role? Well, it <laughs> depends on how far back we're going. But. I mean, it's, it's far back. <laughs> before um, you even thought about maybe you've been a therapist, like, who were you? Um, I, okay, so not to go too much in the weeds, like, I grew up in Kansas City in a uh, Baptist church home and you know Mm -hmm. like my church family was everything like we went to school there we went to church there so everything I knew about mental health um, originated from my church background and Mm -hmm. and I don't know if this is part of the question that you're asking now but um, like even the idea of mental health when I was growing up probably up until middle school high school was not really a thing for me like when when we thought about therapy or seeing a psychiatrist like that was always a white people thing like we don't see like that's not that's not us like we got Jesus like Jesus <laughs> takes care of it all like pray about it get your prayer warriors 
Jesus will handle it. And so, mm-hmm. um, so like growing up, I guess I, I was always open to the idea, um, of mental health care. And like, as I aged through middle school and high school and like got a better understanding of what that meant, like there were, there were actually a couple of events in my life that really spurred me to wanting to pursue a career in this field. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know. Should I talk about those experiences? Uh, we can get, we'll get, with, we'll get to <laughs> okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. Cause I think that was one of the questions I really wanted to explore was like, what experiences led you to yeah. becoming a therapist? Cause I think a lot of times the things that we kind of had challenges with is one of the reasons why we come into the field and we want mm-hmm. to see other people thrive in um, the ways that we're trying to thrive as well. So we'll definitely get to that. Um, but what kind of person were you like? Were you actually, this is one of the, not one of the questions, one of the things I posted on IG where I had like all these roles and titles, but like the passionate one, the dependable one, the black sheep, um, the perfectionist, like all these different titles that we tend to fall into. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess actually, let me, let me put it up right quick, right quick, quick, quick. Because I actually want to see which roles kind of resonated with you, mm-hmm. um, if any. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Here it is. So firstborn, passionate, dependable, cycle breaker, perfectionist, um, strong, good friend, healer, high achieving, all those things. Um, mm-hmm. Any of those things resonated with you when you were growing up? Mm, I wouldn't necessarily say perfectionist, but I was definitely one who always followed the rules. Mm-hmm. And I remember like being called a goody two-shoe in elementary school because like I was always or seen as the teacher's pet. Cause I just I don't like I've I've always had a very um not I don't know the word, but like I just always I was always a, a, a rule follower and that was mm-hmm. more so like at school than at home. But even at home, like I, I think I was a pretty easygoing kid, like mm-hmm. Um, I was the last of three, so that I probably learned a lot of life lessons from <laughs> my older brother and sister. So mm-hmm. I mean, came to school, I never really had any issues um, other than being called a teacher's pet. And like, um, I don't know, I think I was just pretty easygoing most of my life. Um, mm-hmm. 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 What about you, Kaziah or... Um... Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm a first I'm first born. Um, <laughs> read into it what you want. <laughs> so I was definitely the the high achieving people pleaser growing up. I definitely I I probably still in a lot of regard um, still am high achieving, um, but I'm certainly less of a people pleaser, and mm-hmm. I'm real big on saying that now. Um, and I don't really care what you think about it. But um, it definitely wasn't always like that growing up at all. Um, man, you got me sitting here thinking about my life. Um, <laughs> so, but yes, that's who I was before kind of being a therapist or a psychologist. Okay. Definitely. How about you, Tiffany? Well, through elementary school and high school if you were to ask me what I was going to be when I grew up it was going to be an OBGYN I was set on that Mm -hmm. um in high school I did like national programs like I was good like I was you know AP student like honor roll like all of that 
and math kicked my behind. Math and chemistry. So when I got to undergrad, I had to kind of reevaluate what I wanted to do. Um, but as far as like how I was growing up, I was a, I'm the baby out of two. So my I have a brother that's five years old, five years older than me. But um, I'm I was the type of I was a good friend. So like for my friends in, in school, I was the one like when we moved away to college, I'm the one that's reaching out to just kind of check on everybody. And I was the social butterfly. So I could fit into all these different groups of people, even though they didn't interact with each other. So like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, I'm that person. Um, yeah. People always came to me. I was very level headed. I'm very much my zodiac sign. So I'm a Libra. So I'm very much uh, trying, to, trying to keep things <laughs> balanced. So like my friend, I'm, and I felt like I was creative. So they, when they needed excuses or they needed ways to kind of get around their parents, they would call me to kind of help them figure it out. So I was good with manipulation with my parents too. So like, I appeared like Nicole, but I wasn't like, like I was the one that was getting in trouble. I was the one leading everybody to buy liquor at prom. Like, you know, that was me. But, but the moms didn't know. Like everybody, you know, on the surface, I was good. Oh, wow. You sound a lot of fun to be around. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Yes. Anybody else into Zodiac signs? Like, what is everyone's sign? Oh, y'all yeah, done got her started. No, I just... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a Sagittarius. Birthday coming up. Oh, okay. Ooh. Happy early birthday. Oh, thank and you. And said you're a Sagittarius. December, December. Yes. Nicole, you said you're a Sagittarius? <laughs> I'm a Gemini. I'm a Gemini. I'm okay yeah definitely okay nice but yeah thank you all for sharing it's just I think one of the things that um I find interesting is how like clients want to know like they want to know who we are and a lot of times they only know what they obviously what they see um and it's okay to appropriately share certain things uh it'll bring your personality into sessions but um before we get even that because I really want to take time to just focus on who you guys were even before stepping into this role, but um, what experiences or challenges led you to being like, you know what, therapy, this is what I think I need to step, I need to, I need to be this for my community. Yeah, and I think um, what you said earlier really resonated me as far as like, I feel like people who get into this profession, people mm-hmm. are in like helping professions are people yeah. who in my eyes, like probably needed some help at some point in their lives from somebody else um mm-hmm. so for me like um similar a little similar to me like on the outside like very much had it all together um uh, but on the inside like I was just dealing with a lot of emotional um difficulties and I I took AB psychology in high school and heard what it was about and was like I want to do that um mm-hmm. because I just wanted to help people who were struggling um, in their life, you know, unbeknownst to anybody else and to help them overcome issues. So for me, it was like, I wanted to, and I continue to want to be that helper for people um, that I necessarily didn't get at that time. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's why I like working with teenagers and kind of kids specifically, like, come on, let me, let me help you out. Let's talk. Let me get to the bottom of like really what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love when, uh, like I'll speak to a teenager parents, like they don't talk to anyone. And I'm like, come on, let's <laughs> sit on the couch. <laughs> I got <laughs> I got and they're like, wow, they opened up. And I'm like, it just makes me so happy. Um, yeah. but I think a lot of it. Yeah. Like I have my, I have my issues. I still have my issues. Like I think, you know, therapists aren't, aren't perfect people. Um, 
But yeah, just wanting to help others kind of heal in a way that I wasn't able to do when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I appreciate you and Victoria's work. Yeah, I work with children and they're amazing people, but I, I'm adults. I'm adults. I'm 18 plus. <laughs> I appreciate that, that we do have yeah. those individuals that could connect mm-hmm. with children because it's, it's hard to, yeah, it's, 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 people think it's like, like adults, of course, are challenging <clears> too, but um, I think kids just, or you no know, adolescents take a different type of um energy, you know. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I appreciate appreciate the work you all do. Um, but yeah, anybody else want to take um share their experiences that led them to um this role? So oh. I always go back. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was gonna make a comment about what <laughs> Mill has said about it takes a special type of person to work with kids because there was a post I saw um about I remember who it was, but they were saying that they didn't make a lot of money in private practice originally because their clients were misaligned, you know, talking about Mm -hmm. that cookie cutter therapist and people not really knowing their roles. And I think that goes back to like, you got to know your clientele, who works for you and what what you're comfortable with, because I think a lot of that does come out later on in those sessions. If you're not comfortable with the client, they're going to know. When mm-hmm. a lot of times kids will push the limits and try to test people with when they know the person really isn't interested or not passionate about working with them. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. all I was going to mention. Go ahead, Nicole. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. That was good. It definitely <laughs> is a special skill set. But <laughs> so um, I think I can remember a couple of events in my life that I feel like kind of spurred me. Like I feel like I've always had like a genuine interest in people and why we do what we do. But I remember a book that I read in seventh or eighth grade called A Boy Called It. Um, And it was the book. And I I know there's been controversy about that book. But at the time, um, you know, it was a book about like really severe child abuse um, and neglect. And at that time, I hadn't had any experience or at least I didn't know of anybody who had experienced anything like that. And like when I read that book, it really blew my mind that like that happens and Mm -hmm. I remember really wanting to know more about the mom and like why this happened and like how we can help people in this way Mm. because like I've always had a very helping spirit too and I I attribute that to my church background and all the work that we've done with the community and all of that but like reading that book was really an eye-opener for me and wanting to know more about people who experience things like that and trying to help people like that and so that's the first event that I can think of that really piqued my interest in mental health. And also there was an experience that I had personally at my church where we had a lady at the church who had a psychotic break. And this Mm -hmm. was like freshman year in high school. And again, at that time, like we knew about mental health, but not really like specific diagnoses and things like that. So like all we knew was one day this lady was like acting really erratic, like going from sitting in the, the pews at church to like running up mm. into the church choir and singing. She didn't sing. So like, we're all like, what, what, what's happening here? And like, nobody's talking about it. Like everybody's wow. saying it happened, but nobody is saying anything. So, and, and maybe I just wasn't privy to those conversations because I wasn't an adult. So I don't know how it was handled behind the scenes, but I just know as a teenager, at least like, we saw this, we saw that there was something different. We saw that everybody was experiencing the same situation and there was no talk about it at all. Mm-hmm. And so it was like those two that really stand out to me. Um, and then when I went to school and Tiffany, uh, <laughs> I was laughing when you told your story about want to be the OBGYN because 
my initial plan was, oh, I'm going to be a child psychiatrist and I'm going to heal all the little kids. <laughs> and then I got into organic chemistry and I was like, oh, hell no. This ain't for me. This ain't for me. <laughs> so then I had to figure out from there, okay, so med school is not it. How else am I going to help people in this field? Mm-hmm. And so that's what kind of pushed me this way. Wow, thank you for sharing that. What is organic chemistry? Chemistry because I I saw it. You don't want to. I'm like, what? What is it? That's what it is. (laughs) What she said. I um, I wanted, I wasn't gonna take like science stuff like that because I knew what my major was gonna be. So like at my undergrad, they had science for non-majors, and it was like the science of water. (laughs) (laughs) So I took those classes. Wow. Well, I said. I'm uh-huh. laughing because I, I was that same person. I had a different plan. I was a nursing major. And then I realized science at Mizzou is not science like in high school. <laughs> and y'all, they told me I had to change my major. I didn't know that a C was considered an F if you fill a major class. And so mm-hmm. when, I, when I thought I was going to be a nurse and a psychologist at the time, they were like, oh, we don't do that here. That's not possible with our curriculum. And so, you know, after basically being on academic probation and didn't even realize it, I was like, guess I need to try a different major. You know, it's time to switch it up. And psychology was how I kind of got my foot in the door before I led to counseling. But yeah, it was it was that science class. I'm telling you, it was the teacher. It ain't me. It's the teacher. (laughs) I am familiar with academic probation. I hate to say it, but I I know all about it. So what and I'll make this quick, but what brought me, you know, I was in that point where I was not making it in math and chemistry and I had to kind of reevaluate. So I was, I was still in, you know, I was in undergrad in Cleveland and um, was working at the Olive Garden. They had, you know, I had just turned 21. They taught me how to pour wine. They taught me how to bartend. And that's kind of what I did for my whole college experience um, as far as my working, because I had to work and pay part of my tuition um, because, you know, we we broke. So, um, bartending is what brought me into counseling people mm. would just come and sit and you know I was I'm personable so I felt like that was part of it you know that's just part of my personality but the fact that they would come and sit at my bar and tell me their whole life story I'm like what why are you telling me all this information <laughs> and it just felt really natural and so that kind of what that's what led me mm. into counseling was kind of how can I capitalize on this as my as my job and as my career so mm-hmm. I had been taking psychology classes, but I was getting D's because they were filler classes. I, it really wasn't something that I was focused on. It was just, it's good to have a minor in, you know, in psychology or something like that, just because psychology is so expansive and it's so diverse. It could, you could do anything with it, really. So uh, I was like, I got these D's and these courses. I'm going to switch my major to psychology. So that's kind of what my my goal, my challenge was, was kind of going from psychology as an afterthought to being as a as a major actually oh. putting effort into it so mm-hmm. wow yeah I, I and thank you for sharing I just thinking about academic probation and my whole journey with that too um because for me I definitely I always was just a curious person just like why people do what they do you know what's what's up with it why why is all black people that I know don't want to go to therapy like what's why <laughs> like I was just like a kind of person that I asked questions. I didn't, I didn't ever like follow the crowd. I kind of just like, let me step outside the box and kind of look at this a different way. Um, and I just, like I mentioned, just always curious. But um, my major was business, which I'm like, now I'm like, 
you don't have to have a degree in business to do business. <laughs> but that was, you know, at the time um, in 2010, I was just like, I want to be an entrepreneur. So I'm going to go in business. But I was horrible at math. Um, low key, I didn't even pass. Man, my teacher passed me in math my senior year because he wasn't a great teacher. He knew it. And I was a great student and just didn't understand <laughs> math. And I remember taking a test. I got like an F. I think I got like a D. And he was like, it's okay. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> he passed me. That's the only class I was spelling because it, it was horrible, y'all. Um, but I ended up going to um, CMO and I had to take college algebra and things like that. And I had to take all these other math classes like trigonometry. And I'm like, like I don't even know how to do college algebra for real. So um, I ended up switching my major a couple of times. Um I think I had like business and fashion merchandise. And then I transferred to UMSU and I ended up being a communications major, which is like, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> so I remember like, I always told myself, if I needed more time, I just go to grad school. And when I was looking at the graduate degrees, counseling just stood out to me. I was the same person, not only being curious about human behavior, but also just being um, a person that everybody just, I was easygoing and people just like, you know, to have conversations. I love having conversations. I love helping people and supporting people. Uh, and when I read the program, I was just like, oh, this sounds like me. And that was, is that, that was that. Um, obviously, I think my perception of therapy has changed, but I always thought it was like helping save everyone and like be this superhero and just make people heal and just like it's not where I am right now because I don't want to make someone do anything I don't want to have to pull in carry the burdens of other people they're not willing to meet me halfway um or at least do the work as well so all that is changing but yes um that's kind of what I want to get into as well is just like how your perception of therapy has changed over the years um from when like you first started to like now, what is like a no for you? Because um, I think boundaries has been the issue with like therapists. Um, obviously, our um, how we show up in therapy or how we show up for our clients. Um, I just have to learn the hard way sometimes, you know. <laughs> so what has changed for all of you, including you, Victoria, if, um, if anything has changed over the years? Oh, I think a lot. Oh. I think a lot has changed for me like um the roles you listed like literally I've been every single one I've been the mm -hmm. people pleaser the firstborn um the goody two shoes but I also was sneaky I'm a, a big fan if you don't get caught you really ain't do nothing wrong uh so that's <laughs> that was my mentality back then so all the parents love me but I also recognized later on through getting more knowledge in classes um that I was manipulative so that was something that I'm like, I'm a manipulative person, but I'm a great therapist. But I didn't even know what therapy was. Honestly, I was interested in psychology because of a teacher I had. I took a psychology class in high school, very basic intro level psych class. And I loved the teacher. And I was like, I'm gonna do what she do. Like her energy, awesome. you know, she was a little bit off, but I was like, I loved it because like, <laughs> I just love learning about disorders. And I went into like some, um, took a class about the brain, like all the different parts of the brain and stuff. And I was just determined to do, like I said, nursing and psychology. I wanted to do both. And I've always loved kids. So I'm like, why not? But prior to that, I thought psychology and counseling was the same. And then I realized psychologists and counselors got a beef and there's nothing you can do about it. Like they really be beefing. I didn't know that at the time it's up so though. So I was like, dang, well, we all can't get along. Like we're doing the same thing sort of kind of, but it was not the same. 
And so when I got to grad school, that's when I realized, you know, counseling was something that I was passionate about. And the first thing they tell you also is like counseling is not giving advice. But all my friends felt like since you're the go to friend, you give us advice, you're going to be a good counselor. And so Mm -hmm. I went through this whole period of like, okay, so what is counseling if it's not psychology and it's not advice given? And then I finally realized, like, it's a whole lot of things. Like, I don't even know how to put it into one word to this day, especially with the population I work with now. Ooh, it's it's just a whole different field, but I love it. And I think that for me, it was because through therapy, I learned that, you know, my needs were neglected. And I always told myself, I want to be the therapist I never had. And so mm-hmm. that's what really kind of drove me to dive deeper into counseling was like trying to realize like, that those firstborn children, we have a lot of trauma with being the firstborn. We don't have examples because we are the example. Like we're that guinea pig. Mm-hmm. And so I think so many mistakes happen and I was neglected emotionally, which I didn't realize because of being the firstborn. So a lot of stuff fell on me. I was the older cousin who was taking care of kids and babysitting. Like I didn't get to laugh, you know, when other people are laughing and being kids, I was looked at as immature, although I'm eight, I'm supposed to do this stuff, but mm-hmm. because I'm supposed to be this example, I didn't get that same experience growing up. So my grandmother was kind of like, always called me stupid for laughing and being childlike. And I'm just like, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. And then it was like, when I hit nine and I had like this 35 year old woman talking to me about her marriage problems with my cousin. I'm just like, why is this old lady talking? I ain't never said marriage. I barely tied my shoes at this point. But here she asking me about marriage advice and that's when I just kind of realized like am I a therapist already like I've been doing this This <laughs> you know kind of like you Nicole was just like uh you know something that just happened and like you felt like you had a lot of background because I was also raised in a Baptist church um so it's just so many different experiences and always being around older people you know I got that title oh she's wise beyond her years she's been here before and I kind of just accepted that and kind of you know grew from there is like because I was always around adults because I was always watching and observing and I was the quiet person I learned a lot through just being in those situations where I guess I was being you know uh considered adultified too soon um mm-hmm. for lack of a better word so I just kind of grew up really fast but I learned a lot in the process so now you know dealing with the aftermath of that um, I think it's something that I use to kind of help um, talk to kids about where they're at, especially those firstborn kids who go through the same things that I went through. Mm-hmm. Sure. Thank you, um, can we go back to this beef psychologist account? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Listen, I, I didn't know it. Apparently, like psychologists and therapists are not the same, but like therapists don't get offended. It's more so psychologists get offended if people mislabel them as a therapist only. And I didn't know there was a thing until I met, I think, um, Courtney and um, so I don't know if you remember him because I, but he was there and he was just like, he called out a student and was like, like, don't ever disrespect me. And I was like, okay. So when the people have like titles and accolades, I like to acknowledge that. Cause I'm just like, oh. I didn't know it was a beef. Like I thought it was mm. the same thing, but it, it definitely isn't for some people mm. and they okay. cannot coexist for some people. But, uh, yeah, I actually, yeah, meeting meeting Dr. Jackson was the reason I want to get my side now. Like I didn't know there was a thing Aww. until I had met you and had your class. So I'm actually in the process of doing that. So yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so exciting. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um okay. So I think one of the things that I've learned about therapy recently, I wanted to kind of change about it, is um to show up just as I am. So I think, as you were saying earlier, like, we're taught, I think a lot of it is rooted in 
oppressiveness, but you're taught to like show up in a certain way and to be that person. And uh, this is what therapy looks like, period. And uh, after leaving grad school and after kind of doing this for a few years, it's like, especially working with, you know, our kid, like I want to show up who I am. And you're right, people are more comfortable coming to therapy when you're authentically yourself. So mm-hmm. over the years, it's like, this is who I am. You're going to get me in whatever context. I'm not code switching. So come on, mm-hmm. sis, give me the tea. Like what happened this week? Um, <laughs> and it works because I think this is who I am. And, you know, a lot of times therapy is obviously finding a good fit. And so in order for me to find the best fit with a client and them to find the best fit with me, like I have to show up as who I am. And if I expect that person to show up as who they are, then let's both go on this genuine journey together. Um, But that's definitely one of the things that has been super, like has changed for me over the years. It's like, I'm gonna be who I am, period. Like, that's it. I think it's the same for me too. Like I feel like my, the way that I approach therapy or show up to therapy now is much more genuine um, than it used. Well, no, I take that back. It's not much more genuine, much more relaxed and much more, I guess, genuine. Like I'm definitely more of myself than I used to be when I first started. But I also feel like now that I work in private practice, it's a world of different from where I used to work. Like I'm, I've worked at several community behavioral health centers over the years um, in Missouri, Kansas, and Arkansas. And so just the, the clientele that you work with, the, obviously it's not just therapy that you're dealing with. You're dealing with people who would need a lot of their basic needs met at the same time. So the feel of therapy is a whole lot different working in those settings than working in a private practice setting. So I feel like at that time, working as a therapist in those settings, I had to be a, a bit different in my approach to clients than I am now working in private practice. And so it feels better. And it it, it, it honestly feels like I'm making not necessarily more of a difference, but when it comes to their mental health specifically, I'm making more of a difference because I don't have to be case manager slash therapist in this role. Like I can definitely mm-hmm. focus more on, okay, what are we experiencing? You know, how can we get your mood to be, you know, the way that, that you desire it to be more so than I was back then. So definitely more relaxed and more um, open and genuine, I guess, in my presentation now versus... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, as far as like growing up, what I thought about therapy. Yeah, like how has your perception of therapy has changed um, over the years? It's changed a lot because I grew mm-hmm. up. I'm I'm an '80s baby, so I grew up like 1980 and through 1990 were my formative years. And so the only therapy that I saw, and I don't know if you all remember this, but if you were watching those um, talk shows like Monty Williams. Mm-hmm. Sally Jesse Raphael, and they'd have the, the guest therapists come on there and kind of help people deal with their problems. That's that was my first experience in therapy as far as kind of seeing what what therapists and psychologists do. Because it really wasn't a, there, there weren't a lot of um licensed professional counselors um when I was going through high school and like right in undergrad is kind of when it started to switch over and, and people started having more um more freedom to do counseling as a master's degree because before it was social work. So, you know, if I didn't do psychology as a, as a, being a, becoming a doctor, I would have to kind of go the social work route. And that wasn't 
really something I was interested in. So um, I grew up Presbyterian. So I grew up with a, you know, my church was a bunch of old white people. So we sang hymns and things like that. So <laughs> like talking to the pastor wasn't something that, you know, we did it, but it wasn't like a therapeutic thing. I go mm-hmm. talk to my grandma who was Baptist and, you know, that kind of thing. But um, now as far as my approach, I, I feel like I still, I feel like people need to be comfortable in order to share issues in their life with a stranger. So mm-hmm. I try to mm-hmm. meet people where they are. Um, it's almost like I'm still behind the bar, you know, I'm for your drink, what you need, <laughs> um, talk to me kind of thing. Like, and, and I tell my clients, if, if, if we enter into this relationship and you, you're not keeping it real, I can't help you. So that's what I'm going to do is keep it real. And I think I've talked to Kazaya, and that's kind of how I interview with her as well. It's like, that's how I approach it. Like, I can't, I can help you if you want the help and you're ready yeah. to do the work. Um, yeah. And another thing I was going to say, Victoria, you had talked about um, that you were good at manipulation, but you're also a therapist. And a lot of times those things go together. That's mm-hmm. kind of what we do with our ther- with our clients is, is manipulate things so they can see what we want them to see or see what they need to see in order to do the work. So you don't want to give them advice, but you want to give them the tools and kind of point them in the direction that you want them to go in. So right. I feel like when I use the word manipulation. Some people, like some of my classmates and things, they don't like that, but I don't have any problem with that. <laughs> yeah. I definitely can see that because <laughs> I'm thinking about, you know how sometimes you you kind of know more about a client's experience than they do. Well, I wouldn't say more, but you can point it out, but you want them to be able to get to that point themselves. And I give them the answer. Um, so it's kind of like, let me, I can't, don't, don't say that. Let's just see, let's see them work and get to their point themselves. So you have to kind of like maneuver a different way so that you're not giving them, oh, you need to do this or the advice given, you know, uh, approach. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I can see that in, I love how you reframed it too, because some words just, it can be a bad conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Manipulation, like you know, we all definitely done that in some in some capacity. Yeah, yeah, I definitely called a client manipulative a couple of weeks ago, and he was like, "What? When were you going to tell me this that you knew I was manipulative?" <laughs> I'm like, "Well, we already knew this. I said it was about <laughs> you, you know, coming to terms with it." And I was like, "It's not a bad thing. It's almost like a superpower." I said, "It's how you use it that makes mm-hmm. it good or bad." And so we kind of worked through that because, like you all said, like. I don't code switch at all with clients. I remember because I came to class one day. She's like, look, I'm tired. I'm not code switching today. And I was like, I love this class. But honestly, like, that's how I show up. Like, I'm chill. I'm relaxed. And like, clients are just like, you different. I like you. And then Mm -hmm. they still change. And people are like, oh, this is the best therapist in the school. But it's really hard to not just be yourself because most of us, um, people of color that is like I was raised what happens in the house stays in the house you know it was always don't talk about that don't even tell your grandma so it's like you could be getting beat up every night but you better not tell nobody but God Mm -hmm. like that's how people were talking about therapy quote unquote and oh we'll just work through it or it was always silence and silence Mm -hmm. is not therapy you know we have to talk about these things but most people and most of the students I work with, they were raised like me, where there is nobody to talk to because then there's some type of punitive reaction that you're going to receive for talking to a person. But then your parents tell you, get it together. You better get it, you know, get yourself together real quick before this, this, and that happens. But it's like, how do I get myself together mm-hmm. if you won't let me express this? So it was a lot of people talking to their friends and calling that therapy, like, oh, I just talked to so and so. And really, 
y'all just trauma bonding, you know, and we're going back <laughs> in the same cycle. And now your mama mad at you because you done told somebody else mom what's going on. And they feel like, oh, it's a disconnect. And, you know, that's when parents wanted to start, you know, being concerned and get involved, from my experience anyway, when they see that their child doesn't connect with them, but they're now connecting with you, the therapist, and they're trying to figure out what is it about this person that you respect, but you don't respect me. And I'm like, I just listen. Like, if you just shut up yeah. and listen a little bit, it'll go a long way. Mm-hmm. People sure. have, parents have to mother, like parents they do that. It's hard for them to just kind of disconnect and listen and look objectively and listen objectively to your children. Mm-hmm. But um, at the at the same time, when I when people of color come and they're my they're my new clients, and I try to explain to them that you know they they I have an adverse um, thought about therapy already. So they come in. I'm like, well, if you broke your arm, are you going to try to reset it yourself? If you mm-hmm. need a tooth pulled, is that something that you're going to do yourself, or are you going to go and get somebody that's their job to to help you do that? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I explain it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And definitely. I, I actually um I want to touch on like humanizing therapists too, because even like the smallest thing, like when some clients come in and they curse, they're like, oh, excuse my language. I'm so I'm like, mm-hmm, girl, mm-hmm. I curse, I curse a lot. Just trust me. <laughs> like I curse too. Like we can we can do that. If you know, I'm not, I don't know if they just think of like, oh, like. The professional, like I can't do, I can't show up in that way. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want you to show up how you how you feel most comfortable showing up. So if cursing is that for you, um, and you're letting you're releasing your anger or your frustration in some way, like hey, it's okay. So I want to this, I just kind of want to do something really fun and like make a list of things from your experience of kind of like some myths or some things you want to want people to know about therapists, like this mm-hmm. humanized therapist for a moment. So if you can just throw out things that like when you come to therapy, know this is still a human and the interaction doesn't have to be this like, oh, we're so different that we can't really connect. Um, so I guess I want to see. I guess the first thing I would say like to start the list off is that. I say that you can curse. <laughs> you can curse it's okay to share that part of yourself if it's how you want to express yourself in that moment um so yeah I am not your authority I'm not someone that's gonna you should not be cursing like that's not how it's going to be from at least Mm -hmm. for me when I interact with my clients I would say to follow up we do not have all the answers I don't care how many years you go to school. I am not going to be able to answer every single question that you have. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm going to have to refer to a friend and ask somebody else because if we learn it. It's so much changing in the world. You can't expect your therapist to have every single answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think one thing to also keep in mind is, you know, with us being human, like we have our own struggles as well so sometimes I hear a client like say I'm like on the low like well I know you don't you know this hasn't happened to you and I'm like girl I'll be sure <laughs> <laughs> like especially with like COVID and like all the world stuff that impacts us as well like I'm like yeah that mm-hmm. I, I totally hear what you're saying because I feel it too so I think that's also something to keep in keep in mind and um yeah, talk about humanizing therapists. Like we're human too. We're we're we have our own struggles and difficulties that we're working to overcome alongside of you with the tools that we yeah, have at our mm-hmm. disposal. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I don't know if this will go on the list. But I mean, just reminding clients that like this is your safe space. 
Like this mm. is where you can show up and totally be you. Like I've, I've had clients who apologize for crying in session oh, and yeah. it's like, Really? That's what I want you to do is cry. (laughs) We love the tears. (laughs) Or like just getting totally comfortable. Because like even when you come into a space where, you know, you may have a couch or a chair or whatever. And it's like some people, they still sit in a way that looks not uncomfortable, but just like they're in an office space. And even though, yes, it's an office space, but like this is still your place to be vulnerable. So I want you to be as comfortable as possible. If you want to lay out on the floor, like that's fine with me. (laughs) Communicate. But, you know, get comfortable, (laughs) like take off your shoes if you need to. Like I've had a couple in here that were like, I'm getting real, we're getting real comfortable. Okay. Like how comfortable do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like they were just like laid up on the couch together with their shoes off. And I was like, that's, that's fine. Like I want you to be comfortable. I want you to feel like this space is really your space and not just my office. So Mm -hmm. thanks. I keep a yoga mat in my office. I got clients that come mm-hmm. in. They sprout. I, I work with sixth through twelfth grade right now, so they gonna get comfortable. Like, and I truly <laughs> do. I when I say I'm gonna meet you where you at, I will meet you in the parking lot. We can be sitting in the middle of the hallway. I don't care if they in the bathroom stall. I've sat on the sink and talked to clients because if that's where you are, you comfortable. Hey, you know my nose will be all right in a few hours, but I'm gonna sit here <laughs> and talk to you. Definitely. <laughs> <Yes>, <laughs> I guess for the list reassuring clients that whatever you are hesitant to tell me, I have probably heard before or heard mm. once. So there is no be no judgment. Mm-hmm. So that's important for people to know that like we you we come here, you can say what you need to say because like I said, I probably heard words. Yeah. And you are not crazy. Like <laughs> I don't know if you kind of get that question, but I feel like a lot after initial sessions where you're asking all of those questions and sometimes I'll get that look like so Am I crazy? Is this the craziest story you've ever heard? Actually, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely had clients that even say like, like you said, apologize for crying, which I'm like, like you said, it's therapy. Or be like, oh, I'm talking too much. I'm like, girl, you just don't know. Oh boy, you just don't, you just don't know. Like that's that's good. Like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or um, what's the other one? They like I'm putting too much on you. Are you okay? Is this too much? I'm this is therapy y'all I tell like this is therapy this is this is is the place to do that if 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 you need to unload that we just have to take care of ourselves obviously afterwards but like you're good you're good um I also also want to add like family to this list because we definitely talked about (laughs) like friends wanting us to be their therapist and an ex that was like Mm -hmm. I want you to be my therapist I'm like I'm not being your therapist what are you talking about I know too much already (laughs) like I can't be on therapist conflict of interest. Like I, I wouldn't even do that. Um, so like friends, family, partners, like anybody like that you experience where they either I used to, I usually have two things that happen. People find out I'm a therapist or my family know I'm a therapist, either want me to be the person that like breaks up the conflict or something like that, or they think I'm like trying to therapize them when I'm naturally just a curious yeah. person. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or like, oh, you don't try the therapy. I'm like, Trust me, I'm not. Um, like even on the cut, I have been on this cousin's trip and we had like a little conflict. And I remember just sitting back late, like, ah, I was just chilling. And the next day it was like, and hey, Melly, you the therapist, you supposed to come in. I said, uh-uh. I was sitting back chilling. I was like, yeah, I gonna do what y'all need to do. I, I was 
I was in my happy place in that moment because I'm like, I just don't have the urge to be that person um, anymore to like save everybody or like, you know, just get in between things that are not for me to get in between. Um, so, yeah, I want to add like family, friends, like have you all had the sh- challenges with that or how they see you um, when it comes to like humanizing therapists? Well, one more thing I wanted to add to the list before we move to that was uh, touch is healing and powerful. It is mm-hmm. needed. I think Virginia Satira is the first person like do that in session. And like I remember learning therapy. They were like, don't touch your clients, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But if my clients, I have had clients fall over my lap and just bawl their eyes out, just want to be hugged, especially like my black male clients. Like it's so important to hug men because they don't get that a lot of times, especially our black boys. They're so used to being conditioned to be this tough person that when I have black male clients willing to cry and they're ready to cry, I'm embracing it. I'm not going to be another person to tell you that you're weak. This is not okay because uh, what am am I going to do? What good am I doing you if I continue to perpetuate that, you know, when you need something different. And a lot of times I've seen like their whole demeanor change. Like I literally feel their shoulders just drop and relax. And it's like, finally, I get to let this out. And Mm -hmm. so I just want to, you know, that myth that you shouldn't touch your clients, like throw it out the window. I think, you know, your clients, I will say when I worked in a different area uh, in a different population, I was doing some private practice in a predominantly white clientele. I didn't see those clients every day versus I work in a therapeutic school now. So I do see those clients every day. I know their parents. I have their relationships. So I didn't feel comfortable touching some of my white clients. I'll be honest. But that was only because I had not known them. I have white clients now that I see every day. We hug. They cry in my lap. We talk about everything. We might skip down the hall together to the next class. But I think you just have to know your clients and know what works for you. Yeah, 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 That was my last thing for the list. Mm-hmm. Definitely permission and permission too, because some clients, can you do I'm like, yeah, like this, or even seeing clients out in public. That's another thing that's kind of like tricky, because I'm like, I don't think it has to be awkward. Maybe I'm pricing it from my point of view, but if my clients want to say hey to me. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna dodge them. Oh, I gotta go to my client. Like I'm like, hey, how you doing? And keep it pushing. You know, it's not. It, it shouldn't have to be something that's like awkward, um, as long as you're being confidential and things like that. So, so yeah. I don't think I would speak to them first out in public. Like, they speak yeah, definitely. And then with kids, working with kids, they need a whole different set mm-hmm. of skills. So especially mm-hmm. our kids. Um, so I, I and then you know the working in a school or some kind of um environment where you like you see them every day, I can see that. But like if you were in an office um with adults, I probably wouldn't do too much hugging. It just depends. Right. <laughs> it depends on what they need. But yeah, with mm-hmm. the kids, I think it's a little different. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Even with the adults that I work with, like a lot of them actually like getting hugs too. And I always give them that disclaimer, like I'm a hugger, but if you don't want to be hugged, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But probably nine times out of 10, they're like, yeah, I want to hug. But I also yeah. work with mostly females too. So mm-hmm. that may make a difference, but. Yeah. It's true. Oh, and accepting gifts. That's another one. I like I like gifts and I think it's appropriate gifts like a like I had a $10 IHOP card not like $20 maybe and a client get a, male, a black male client because he was very like therapy not for me and we he had a great experience where he wanted to show his appreciation I was really surprised like oh like I left the card at the office for you I'm like oh I'm gonna pick it up but I was trying to be the goody two shoes I'm like is this okay She's like no you can't have that I'm like okay I give it I gave it back to him and it kind of like disappointed because some clients kind of see it as rejection and I didn't want it to feel like that because for me, I was really happy that he felt like he got something out of therapy for him when before that his perception of therapy was like 
very like the stereotypical, you know, how therapy is looked. So, and I remember just hearing conflicting information about gifts. It's like, you can receive gifts and the other people like, no, don't take any gifts from any clients. I'm just like, what is this? So my own, how I feel about it now, as long as it's not, you're not giving me a, a grand or you haven't given me these grand gestures that were like kind of inappropriate. I feel like it's totally fine if you gave me a card or a $10 gift card somewhere. So, you know, that's another thing. Humans like gifts. And I know, I mean, clients like to show their appreciation. Yeah. So, and it's like, is it is it doing more harm than good to accept it versus not? Of course, you mm-hmm. don't want to accept anything that's an outrageous like yeah. gift. Like you said, a thousand dollars obviously would not be an appropriate gift to accept, but mm-hmm. a twenty dollar gift card. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I we used to have. Oh, go ahead. ahead. No, I was going to say when I was in Arkansas, we had this lady who (laughs) usually at one point in the year, she would always she was on medication for bipolar um, disorder, but she would always go through like this manic phase, usually when she needed uh, medication adjustment. But when she did that, she would always impulsively buy a bunch of stuff. And candy was one thing that she would buy for the office. And so like she would bring in a bunch of candy for us. And we're like, awesome but obviously the whole office shared it mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean it was one of those times where oh what do we do with this gift I mean, mm-hmm. it was easy enough to where it was a bunch of individually wrapped candy so yeah you can share it with the office but yeah. I know other situations where clients give gifts is not always that clear cut yeah for sure so um I guess the the end of that also was just any um any challenges with like being a therapist of being the therapist out of your friend group or family? Nothing besides what you had stated before as far as like everybody wanting to look to you to help solve problems. Mm-hmm. Um, my family got a lot of issues. So I know going through school, I was diagnosing everybody <laughs> and giving them <laughs> uh, afflictions that they probably didn't have or they needed to be. <laughs> as far as my friends, I had a friend um, just recently, you know, she was talking to me about an issue. So she wants to give me advice and tell me what to do. But then when I try to respond, she's like, uh-uh, don't you use that therapy on me? I'm like, I just wanted to respond. But um, I, get, I get that a lot. But but still, like my friends kind of look for me to give them that um, that other perspective that maybe they weren't looking for. So mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Yeah, helping my mom kind of navigate her own challenges. She don't listen to me, but eventually somebody else is saying a year or two down the road, and she'll remember I said it. So. Mm. That happens. That happens. <laughs> yes. It's kind of the same for me, like what Tiffany said, where you have friends who you just having a conversation, but when I speak, oh, you're therapizing me. But any other time, you blowing my phone at three a.m. One of my opinion, no, keep that same energy, sis. <laughs> Because when I had needed something, it was, oh, you're the therapist. You should figure it out. We can't help you because you're a therapist. I'm like, so now I can't have casual conversation with y'all. And if I mm-hmm. give you my opinion that you asked for, now I'm therapizing you. So I find that it's really hard in friendships now because, especially if I have mutual friends where they're like, I don't want to tell Vic because Vic don't therapize me. I really don't care. Like people, what people don't understand, I think that should be another myth. I do not like talking about therapy. When I'm off work, I'm off work. That's not what I want to do all day. They think I just eat, sleep, breathe therapy. Like I wake up thinking like, ooh, I'm going to diagnose somebody today. No. And I hate, <laughs> I hate going on dates with guys. And partially my fault, I attract certain type of people. But I hate going on dates with guys. And they, oh, what do you do for a living? Like, here we go. 
I was <laughs> and everything finna switch. And like the last situation I was in, like we talked for like two days before he knew I was a therapist. And he was dogging therapists, y'all, dogging them bad. I hate therapists, <laughs> they all out for money. And I'm like, dang, what what happened? You know, I'm all trying to figure it out. And then, you know, day two came. I was like, Yeah, I'm a therapist, by the way. He was like, Oh, I fucked up then. I'm like, mm. that's a little bit I was like but that's your experience and I said you know contrary to popular belief I said I haven't had a good experience with therapists I've had eight so you know I get it you might have had some bad experiences but that's literally how you know how people feel when you say that you're a therapist it's like oh goodness like now I have to put this mask on because you can see right through me and it's just like I'm a C3 anyway. That was that happened before therapy. So the therapy thing just just allowed me to communicate and be more understanding and empathetic. Um, but I think that a lot of people expect things of me now in my friendship and my uh, family. So I don't know. It's just always that. Can you write me a prescription? Can you write a letter to my job so I get time off? Can, <laughs> oh, can you wow. sign this doctor note for my FMLA? Mm. No, can't do none of that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna go to jail real quick. I'm gonna lose the license I just got. So you know, they don't they don't realize that's the thing. And like, like you said, Mel, can you counsel me? No, I cannot do a relationship. They're like, what that mean? That means no. That's what that means. <laughs> so you know, I run into those situations a lot where it's just like people constantly just they have they look on TV and they have like this idea what therapy is. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'm just like, that is not therapy, y'all. Don't let these shows fool you. I, I am not going to jail for nobody. <laughs> please don't use these buzzwords. If I hear narcissist one more time. Oh, my goodness. I'm <laughs> yes. Well, thank y'all for that, Liz. I, I'm, I'm trying to put it in writing. Like, this is the list. Memorize it, read it take it with you to therapy whatever you need to do (laughs) but um the last thing I really want to touch on is how do you step outside of this role and take care of you because we're seeing clients we're getting a lot of energy to I don't know how many clients I know I have like probably 30 a week um plus Mm -hmm. sometimes and it's like I'm making my when I shut off my computer or if I leave the office or even if it's phone therapy um, if I end that call, I'm coming back to my life <laughs> and what I need to do and not still lingering in my client's life. And I really been good about that boundary since the beginning. Um, so I always want to know more about how other therapists are stepping outside of their roles and taking care of themselves. So what things are you doing? Um, what practices or tools have been helpful in your journey? Like just really how are you nurturing yourself after you know being in your client's world? Mm-hmm. I think kind of um, what you said, Victoria, about like, I'm not a therapist 24-7, just like people have, you know, when they, as it should happen, like five o'clock happens, job is over, like I'm switching gears, like I'm, you know, I have all these other identities that I will kind of go into after the, after the workday, so um, I think, especially being a business owner, like having to set up some pretty strict boundaries about how to like, shift gears and kind of take care of myself is important um but I try to like in my day at four o'clock I'm gonna leave my laptop here you know as much as possible um and I'm gonna do something for me um and with the with the toddler you know it's very easy to turn off work because I'm immediately kind of taking care of someone else and their own needs um Mm -hmm. 
but even, you know, you know, come bedtime when it's just me, like making sure that I'm doing what I need to do and kind of practice what I preach, whether that be um, doing some type of workout exercise video, like I'm a social person, so I'm talking to friends or um, just laughing at Instagram reels or watching some good TV shows. Uh, but saying like, no, I'm turned, like my brain is off right now and I'm doing something that's just for me. Um, so I think having to prioritize that, especially depending on like the populations you work with, like we see a lot of, cl- a lot of clients with trauma and developmental trauma and that stuff can, you know, it can hit you hard. Um, so being very mindful of like, what do I need to do for me so that mm-hmm. I can be a good therapist, um, and a good clinician for others. Definitely. Thank you. I guess to, just to piggyback off of that, it's it's pretty much the same for me. Like when I'm off the clock or, or even when I just have like extra time in my day, like I try to be very intentional about spending that time with my family or my friends. I also have a toddler. So that time is easily taken up if I'm not working. Um, but during the day, like if I need to decompress and just like talk something out, if something is more stressful than 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 other, like if a a client or a session was more stressful, like talking it out with with Kaziah or Tiffany or, you know, having a therapist available that you can kind of debrief with to kind of let that stuff out so that it's not just festering um, is really important to have. But yeah, at the end of my day, I feel like I keep pretty good boundaries. So like once I'm done and close my laptop, oh, I am done until <laughs> tomorrow morning. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, usually I can do the same thing as far as turning things off. But I'm I'm in school right now and I also have a child. She's five, about to be six. Um, but I'm a single parent right now. So I don't have a lot of downtime and I already feel bad for missing a lot of time with my child. Um, so I try to spend time with her. When I have extra time, that's what I try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but recently, it's just funny that you all, we talk about this because recently, you know, I've been pretty good at kind of handling things and kind of knowing how to decompress and it's kind of been building up lately. So I, I had a, a, a stressful breakdown, um, last week cause I, you know, had assignments that were behind. I couldn't catch up on them. Just everything was behind and I, and I just didn't have the, I didn't have the, the momentum to, to get them done. So I kind of just, called my professors and say, you know, I was supposed to give a presentation. I'm like, can I just, can we just talk? I need to be able to kind of talk to somebody that can listen. Because, you know, like I said, I've been that person for my friends. So when it's time for me to debrief or to talk about my issues, oh, I got to go real. You know, I'm at work. I can't talk to you, but I just sat here for 30 minutes listening to your issues. So it was kind of like, I just, sometimes it gets to the point to where you do need to kind of vomit all that stuff out and get it out if you're not able to let it out. Um, consistently so Mm -hmm. I'm human you know things happen but I sing a lot so that helps me um whether it's church music secular music I I like to sing and that's kind of what helps me um Mm de-stress you just reminded me of something that should go on the list too is that therapists can have therapists too like advice (laughs) because yeah we're we're human we have our own stuff so mm-hmm. therapy's helpful so let me go yeah. talk to somebody too to to help me kind of decompress as well and de-stress sure. yeah sure yep and vacation all inclusives always work Ooh. <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes i love a good trip <laughs> mm-hmm. 
For sure. I, I did. Agree. Okay, sorry, continue. We were just talking about brunch. I was just talking about um one of my friends, Kiana, who goes by the bougie therapist, who's also a therapist um, on IG, but she was saying like, hey, I've been to the marquee for brunch. And she was just explaining to me like, it's basically like a day club. And I'm just like, no, i never been to clubs in St. Louis like that. But she was like, you need to go. It's a thing. Um, but yeah, brunch is always bottom, bottomless yeah. mimosas and all that. So I, <laughs> I already As know the pen, vibe. We should go. We should go to brunch soon. Just mm. FYI, like, <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. Sounds like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Squire, I never been so. Don't, don't know. <laughs> I know how to brunch. Okay, I'm I'm gonna, I got brunch. Look. We can't figure it out. But we should go. If we take that time, because I think sometimes another mm-hmm. myth is like we need like this extended amount of time to like rest and just like have a moment of peace I find you like oh at the end of the month or, oh next year I can take this vacation I'm just like by that time you're gonna like I guess why <laughs> like vacation what do they call it the pa- vacation depression happens because we wait to like that moment to take a break but it's only like three days or a week and it's just not enough and then we have to like oh I gotta go back to work or oh, I gotta get back to my life and it's just it's just not enough so I feel like carving out those little moments um, is what's been helpful for me. Um, like I live six minutes. I'm li- not live. Yeah, I do live. I live six minutes from Forest Park. So like I'll go to Forest Park mm. and I got like Panera and I lay down in the grass at uh, our hill or like just taking these little moments. I remember one time I was like really tired and I'm not a nap person because when I take naps, they like five, six hours. They're not like those <laughs> little bitty naps. That's not a nap. Don't sleep for the night. Okay. <laughs> I like, no, you went to sleep. I'm like, hey, I, I don't like to, because I take naps just to be too long. But for some reason, I'm like, I need to take this nap. And I remember closing my office door and I like picked out my shoes and like took a nap. And it was so nice. It was like a little 30 minute, 40 minute nap. And I was like, oh, that's what people be talking about. Like they're energizing. <laughs> like, no, so I'm like, yeah. cool. I needed that. The military. Um, I worked with the military for a while. So one of mm-hmm. the the supervisors, he had like a, a blow up cot, like a little mat that you know, kind of when he unrolls it, it inflates by itself. And he would eat his lunch real fast, and then he would go and he would sleep under like under his desk for like thirty minutes and get up and have a good. Because you know, you hit that wall at the middle of the day, so mm-hmm. that prevented him from hitting that wall after lunch. So I exactly. thought that was really smart. That's a good mm-hmm. idea. I need a cot. Yeah, right <laughs> for sure like just call out that that little time just if, if it's 30 minutes five minutes I sometimes I remember my friend was like girl don't matter if you spin around in your office chair for five minutes that's the break that you need I'm just hey. like exactly so I like to have those little moments that make a big difference and that's how I kind of go about like self-care and just nurturing myself along with just boundaries like really clear boundaries mm-hmm. with clients mm-hmm. like don't text me at midnight you just want to have a conversation like it's, it's not an emergency or you're just like oh was like let's, let's let's talk about that you know tomorrow when we meet I'm like okay cool they usually are always cool so I think people get really afraid if they res- don't respond I'm like if you set the boundaries clients most most of them definitely respect I haven't had anybody disrespect me anyway um outside of maybe one or two clients my whole career so um it's never really an issue, but I just want to say I appreciate all of you for coming and just sharing um, 
parts of your story, your experiences with that audience. Because like I mentioned, I just really want this space to be where people in the helping helping profession can really just like decompress and just share their experiences um, and prioritize their well-being um, because we do so much for other people. So just like um, when we always show up for our friends or our families, like we need to have that time to show up for ourselves too. So are there any last words that any of you want to say to the therapists, the nurses, the massage therapists, the energy healers, the, everybody mm-hmm. that just pointed to, you know, everyone else, what, who would you want to say to those individuals? Yeah, I got, well, one, I want to say thank you, because mm-hmm. uh, I know the work is not always easy, but it's definitely needed, uh, particularly, mm-hmm. you know, folks that look like us, like, mm-hmm. thank you, thank you, thank you, um, and then thank you all for having us, it was so much fun, <laughs> I appreciate you extending the invitation. No problem. Yes, definitely thank you for having us, um, especially me, because this is my first time, so appreciate the <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> But yeah, and I wanted to say too, like, because we touched on this a lot this evening, like being genuine, being authentic in mm-hmm. how you present to session. And it it brought me back to counseling one-on-one where they were talking about, you know, like the most important or the most effective approach basically that you have in therapy is your relationship with the client. So no matter what what therapeutic modality you choose, nothing is going to be effective if you aren't, if you don't build that rapport with the client. So it's like having that relationship with a client, being your authentic self, showing up in a genuine way is the most important out of all of this. So for sure. Uh, thank you. I want to <laughs> all of the rest of the ladies and thank you all for having us. Um, Just something to your listeners, it's okay to interview your therapist. We will not feel bad if you don't choose us. Just choose somebody that's going to um, match what you need, you know, meet your need. So Mm -hmm. it's okay to do that. Yeah. Wait till you got any last words. My favorite, reclaim your time. I'm telling you, it's important. It's so important. And like, I was just thinking about how do I decompress? Because I work in a place that we are supposed to be on call 24 seven and they have mm-hmm. allowed clients to know that I just had a client call me and leave a message. I don't even want to check it, mm-hmm. y'all, but according to my contract, I didn't know I signed. Um, I supposed to answer. And I, I had to really, you know, think about that, but I'm reclaiming my time. I'm not dealing with it because, you mm-hmm. know, if it's an emergency at this time of night, I can't get to them anyway. So that's just something important. Like, and like you said, it's it's okay to have a therapist. I just recently fired mine. So a lot of my boundary setting, decompressing, all that is out the window right now, y'all. I'm just kind of like on a little sailboat in the middle of the ocean with a mop. Like it's not a good situation. <laughs> but in my mind, I'm okay. I'm meditating. I'm back in, you know, Dominican Republic, poolside, having a nice drink, cocktail or something in my mind. But yeah, you know, just it's just sometimes I think that uh, what's most important is just like, don't like you said, don't feel guilty for taking that five minutes, that 30 minutes and don't wait. You know, PTO Mm -hmm. is PTO is to plan the other. So take it, you know, take it when you have it and and don't feel guilty about it. For sure. And I think my last words um, would be definitely find a community that is going to nurture the person that you are and the person you're becoming because I feel a lot of times even with the clients I work with they just don't have that community or they outgrowing the relationships and it's really tough because it's like I want that connection but it's not 
it for me. So they stay. And I think that's the same thing that happens because like you mentioned, we're human. It happens a lot with therapists too. It's just like, these are our people. Like it's, it's, it's really hard to, it can be challenging to have friendship as an adult um, or even form new friendship. Cause just like, you know, I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm 50. Like who got time to find new friends? Like things like that can come up. Um, but definitely if you find a community that, that, that nurtures you in a way that um, you nurture other people, it's, it's always super rewarding. And I feel like I finally have that community as well with Victoria and a few other people in the field as well. So um, that's my last thing. But if you all want to share like your social media or, you know, even clients who are seeking therapy, if you are accepting those clients, like where can people find you? Yes, so <laughs> you can find us on pretty much everywhere. Um, Facebook, Instagram, um, at Healing Spaces STL. Um, we have immediate opening for clients. Tiffany and Nicole are, I can let them if they want to do their spiel, are, are <laughs> ready and available. Um, and then not just for therapy, but um, we're accepting clients for assessment as well. Um, but yes, hit us up, www.healingspacesstl.com. Mm-hmm. And I have that in show notes too, so I can have a, a link. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> any other social medias or anything, any other things you all have going on that you want to share before we leave? No? All right. <laughs> we just I hope y'all enjoy the rest people. of your evening. Um, I always you. say that um, thank you for joining us and thank yes, you all for listening. Um, and also, my favorite saying, the journey is never complete. Like, it, this is this is not something that, oh, I healed and I'm free. It's like, yes, but you're still human and things are still going to happen that are outside of our control. So the journey is never complete and we'll be here next week. Bye. Bye. Good night, y'all.